Welcome to Big Apple Buckets. Today's episode is dedicated to the life of the legendary Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, and then all nine victims that passed away in a tragic helicopter accident on Sunday afternoon. He dedicates this episode to the Black Mamba, looking back at the legacy he leaves behind and just how huge of an icon he truly was. Former NBA referee Bob Delaney and Kobe's old teammate with the Lakers, Carlos Boozer, will join us to share some memories of the legend. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Here are just a few of the emotional reactions to Kobe's tragic passing from Clippers head coach Doc Rivers, courtesy of NBA TV, SportsCenter anchor L. Duncan, courtesy of ESPN, and friend of Kobe's and former NBA All-Star Tracy McGrady, courtesy of ESPN. I just don't have a lot to say. I, um... The news is just devastating to everybody uh, who knew him, known him a long time. It means a lot to me, obviously. Um, you know, he was such a great opponent. It's what you want in sports. He had that, that DNA that, uh, that very few athletes can ever have. I have to go talk to a team uh, before a game and tell them to play again. And without hesitation, he said, I would have five more girls if I could. I'm a girl dad. When it came to sports, he said that his oldest daughter was an accomplished volleyball player and that the youngest was a toddler, so TBD. But that middle one, he said, that middle one was a monster. She's a beast. She's better than I was at her age. She's got it. That middle one, of course, was Gigi. When I reflect on this tragedy and that half an hour that I spent with Kobe Bryant two years ago, I suppose that the only small source of comfort for me is knowing that he died doing what he loved the most, being a dad, being a girl dad. He used to say, I want to die young. I want to be immortalized. And, you know, I want to have my career be better than Michael Jordan, and I want to die young. And I just thought he was just so crazy for saying that. And when I got the news yesterday, I had a dance with my daughter yesterday at my wife's event, and they came and told me the news. and. I just couldn't believe it, just like, just like everybody else, but I'm devastated. And she was special, man. She was special. She was built like Kobe. Her mannerism, everything, I mean, just to watch her play, it was like watching a young Kobe. The mood, she had a fadeaway at 13 years old. I'm watching this girl, and it, it just looks like her dad out there. I'm like, damn, she's going to be special. She's not going to get that opportunity. He's not going to get that chance for her to carry on that legacy. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. I am your host, Kazim Famuide, a.k.a. Kaz. Usually, obviously, this is a New York Knicks podcast, but today we won't be talking about the Knicks. Today we won't be talking about one man, and that's an iconic figure, not just sports, but culture and life and the arts, a worldwide icon that we lost this past Sunday in uh, Kobe Bryant. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, man. It's your boy Kaz uh, at Kazim. Um, you know, there's there's days that this is a, a great job to have and, 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 and it's, uh, sports, just the world of sports has just afforded me an incredible life. But today is definitely one of those days where uh, I'd, I'd rather be doing anything else than talking about this and um, doing an episode like this. Um, Sunday, we lost an incredible human being and several incredible human beings. Um, Kobe Bryant 
was one of nine victims on a helicopter crash that took place in Calabasas this past Sunday. Um, and we lost Kobe at the age of 41, along with his beautiful 13-year-old daughter, Gianna Gigi Bryant, Gianna's basketball teammate, Alyssa Altabelli, Alyssa's father, John Altabelli, uh, also the baseball coach at Orange Coast College, Orange Coast College, pardon me, as well as Alyssa's mother, Carrie Altabelli, Christina Mauser, a basketball coach at the nearby Harbor Day School where Gigi Bryant attended, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Peyton's mother, and the pilot, Ara Zabayan. Um, there are, uh, there's not much, there's not much I can really say that, uh, but really put into context the, the, the massive loss that the world has just gone through. Um, Kobe Bryant is somebody who I guess predates the social media era and in some ways came right with the advent of the internet. So in a lot of ways, you're feeling and seeing a lot of this sadness and this heartbreak because we all feel like we grew up with a piece of him. I remember the first time seeing Kobe Bryant as a 16-year-old cocky kid <laughs> uh, on ESPN playing for Lower Marion High School. And uh, a few short months later, taking Brandy to the prom. Uh, and, and I was just thinking, man, this guy is so cocky. <laughs> like I'm like, this guy is the most cockiest, confident kid. I'm like, he's a kid. He's, 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 he's a child. Does this dude really think he's going to go from high school to the NBA? And, you know, back then, you know, it was still rare, you know, for, for players to skip college and go through the league. But, uh, you know, especially rare as a perimeter player, which Kobe was. And, um, you know, it was it was it's fascinating to see the growth of of the human being. And I was talking to um, Charlemagne last night, Charlemagne, the guy, the host of The Breakfast Club. And we had a long talk just about how, um, you know, we, we hate to do with comparisons when, when we lose people. But like the only thing I can really compare this to on any level is sort of like when we lost Michael Jackson, not because of talent, but just you forget to realize when you see these people and the extraordinary things they do on the court, on the dance floor, on the, on the stage, wherever they perform, it always feels like you, you forget that they're bringing people together. You forget that the thousands of people coming to see this one person or this one person's team um, do what they do best. And that's one of the greatest things about sports. That's the power of sports. That's the one thing that no matter what anybody could say about all the inner goings on of the league or the things off the court, at the very essence of sports, even if there's nobody watching, even if it's just five on five, it brings people together. It brings people together. And for better or worse, I don't think there's anybody on this planet that brought more people together than Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, playing in Los Angeles, embracing the challenge of not just being a Laker, but being the Laker, you know, and um, winning five championships. And just that insane 
competitive drive that only was reminiscent of one other guy. Only reminiscent of one other guy. And the thing that really makes this such a painful loss is that we all knew how competitive Kobe was. It almost was like, man, I feel terrible for him because I don't know what this guy's going to do without basketball. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like this guy's going to, he's going to, you know, he's not going to, I don't know how he's going to function without the game of basketball in his life. And he found that, you know, he became an Oscar winner. He wrote an an incredible, an incredible uh, short film called Dear Basketball, which won an Oscar. And even more than that, he became this ultra sports dad where like he's on the cover of slam with his beautiful daughter Gianna and her, and her, her, her AAU team. He opens up the Mamba Academy, which, which brings the game, you know, to, to, to other people and, 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 and tries to instill the, the will that he had in himself to, to the next generation of players. And if you look at all the players that we watch today in the NBA and, people that they emulate the most it's Kobe but Kobe took the time to speak to these people Kobe took the time to impart knowledge to these people Kobe took the time to challenge these people you know um I remember he was on Twitter and he was just giving out he was going on Twitter and just adding people and just challenging them to be the best versions of themselves I remember he he challenged Giannis to be MVP he challenged uh Dame Lillard to go to the to, to take their team to the next uh round of the playoffs he challenged these great players to be even greater than they already were i mean we saw a lot of the the moving tributes from several of our luminaries in sports and all over the world from from jimmy fallon to tracy mcgrady l duncan had an incredible uh thought jerry west jim boylan i mean the list goes on and on barack obama michael jordan shaquille o'neal um it's 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 a truly truly heartbreaking day, not just as a sports fan, but as um, you know somebody who personally and just this is just me being super honest right now as somebody who lost a daughter last year, um, and just knowing the pain that Vanessa's going through, and the pain that those little girls are going through, who just lost a dad, who just lost a sister, who just lost a husband, in such a tragic way. And, and, and in the way where, you know, the way Kobe lived, we all thought he's one of those guys that's supposed to grow old and live forever and be immortal. And he will be. But especially in sports, the, the good thing about sports is that almost all the time, most of the time, especially in the NBA, we get to see our legends grow old. We get to see our legends become elder statesmen and pass the game on and get the respect and get the flowers while they can still smell them. Um, and it's like watching guys like Magic Johnson and Bill Russell saying rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, where it's like, that's not, that's, that wasn't supposed to happen, man. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. Like Jake, help me out here, man. That was moving, man. And I know it's something personal for you as well with your loss. And, uh, it means a lot. Uh, it's it, think about it. I mean, think how we're feeling, and then think about what Vanessa and those those daughters are going through times a million. It's absolutely insane to think about it, Kaz. And he really touched the basketball world. He touched the world as a whole. If you if you didn't like sports, you hear this and you're like, Kobe? Like, there's no way. You just thought, you know, he was going to maybe the most iconic class 
in Hall of Fame history with Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan this summer, and now there's going to be a ghost over his name, and it's, that's hard to think about, and that's even down the road. That's something, another layer when you peel these onions as, as we're fighting back tears here trying to do this episode, and I think you really honored him uh, really well, Kaz, and you think about those other things, Hall of Fame, then you start to think of this logo talk changing it from jerry west to kobe naming an award after kobe bryant uh there's a lots more things to come that we should be doing to remember and honoring him because that's the mamba mentality you know it's it's always fights not give up it's uh go out and be a competitor and beat the other guy and and you're seeing uh, a lot of emotions across the board and the players, if it was, it was amazing to see their emotion. Doc Rivers crying, that made me cry. L. Duncan's tribute made me cry. Jimmy Fallon watching that last night brought a tear to my eye. And, and you hear these memories and these stories from people who knew him, people who just liked basketball, and it just shows you. You mentioned it was like Michael Jackson. Um, it was weird for me personally being at MSG Sunday the day Kobe died when I was at MSG the day Michael Jackson died. I mean, two icons. And a, and a place that we love to go to to be entertained and it's um you know it's just a sad day it's a sad week it's days later and it's still not it's still not something that's left us and we're still uh we're still fighting back tears talking about it and i think it's going to be the whole week and it's uh you know it's a, it's a somber mood right now um as we lost a real icon you know my mom called me bawling crying and you gotta understand my mom who, who listens to the show every week <laughs> loves that uh loves that i have a show with the new york post and you know, um, really enjoys it. She's a Nigerian immigrant and a lot of American culture. She's not totally understands, but she understands basketball. She loves basketball and she loves the Knicks, but she appreciates greatness. And, you know, she called me crying because she remembered that that last game that he played at the garden, uh, we went and, um, you know, she just thanked me. And, and and was was thankful that she got to witness that moment and see that moment um just because she's a she's a fan of the Knicks she's a huge basketball fan in general but you know she appreciates Kobe she loves Kobe she's a diehard Kobe fan and the fact that I got to take her to that last game meant so much to her and um you know at the end of the day man it, it's you, you remember why you love sports because at the end of the day, it brings people together and, you know, we grow up and we grow old and we don't have that many memories with the people we love. And um, I thank Kobe for um, giving us so many memories to share with the people we love. Um, and that's the greatest gift anybody could give at the end of the day, man. He gave everything. You can't say he ever shortchanged us. Can't ever say he shortchanged us. Can't say he ever shortchanged his family. Never shortchanged the game. There's no bigger shining example of somebody who literally gave everything that they had, even even up until his final game, when he puts up 50 shots to get 60 and just kind of emptied the tank, man. And the 61-point memory at the Garden, the 81-point game against our our pal of the program, Jalen Rose, that you, as you said, his 60-point game, in the grand finale, going out on top, uh, dropping the mic the only way the Mamba could. Um, and also, Kaz, we didn't even discuss, after the off-the-court stuff and what he did for women's sports and with Gigi becoming you know, his legacy, he did so much on that end where he really wrote his wrongs and became such a great man, a great father, and 
uh, change women's sports. I mean, you saw what UConn did for Gigi, and you saw those those uh, female basketball players fighting back tears. So it, it's really just from A to Z, just a remarkable story of his career and everything that he's done for all of us. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there that don't think that it's the right time to bring up those allegations that happened in the early 2000s but i think it's it's it perfectly it, it perfectly encapsulates the humanness of 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 the spirit where somebody who could be accused of something so heinous um can turn around and not just become and, and you got to think about so many layers not just you know the the accusations but what it did to his wife what it did to his family what it did to the kids like somebody who turned that all around and not just became uh, an, a great family man and a great husband and father, but an ambassador for women's sports. Like just last week, he's talking about just how much he loves the WNBA and how so many players could probably play in the NBA if given the opportunity. And, um, you know, that guy, that's the guy who championed women's sports, you know, like I think it's perfectly okay to bring that up because it's human to fall and if anything if we know anything about kobe he's fallen a lot but he's always gotten back up and and his highs were higher than probably anybody that's ever played the sport and not even just the sport just the sport of life you know it's um it's truly some truman show stuff where we've seen this guy grow up mature rise fall rise again and then just the ending just being so tragic. Um, even as, as tragic as it is, I don't want to dwell so much on how he left, but the life he lived and how many memories he uh, left us all with, you know, things that brought us together, things that bring people together. And that's the best thing you can do. You leave this earth with is how many people you touched. And if this, this these first two days have are any indication, he touched so many, so many people. So... Um, I just want to give my, my thoughts and prayers to Vanessa Bryant, his daughters, Natalia, Bianca, Capri, youngest, seven months old, man, seven-month-old daughter. Um, so it's – it's we're going to talk to some people today. We're going to try and memorialize Kobe the best we can. And uh, this is a hard day, but um, I just appreciate you all for listening and uh, sticking with it. And joining us today on Big Apple Buckets is a good friend of mine, but also a former teammate of Kobe Bryant from 2014 to 2015 with the Los Angeles Lakers. Played against him for over two decades. Uh, my good friend, Carlos Boozer. I know you've, uh, you've, you've shared a special experience with Kobe as a teammate, as a competitor. Um, what was it like, if you can help share us uh, just some stories about sharing the locker room with that man and working with him and his incredible uh competitive effort yeah i mean i mean you heard all the stories Kobe is the greatest competitor that i ever played with or against um one of those guys that you know pushed you to your limits you know challenged you to be greater than what you were you know just for me uh and obviously icon you know a friend of mine a mentor you know i talked to him on christmas with him and his family merry christmas i didn't know that was gonna be the last time i spoke to him and uh so Waking up a couple of days ago to, to this horrifying news is really tough. I'm still trying to, you know, find the words to articulate, you know, you know what he meant and and, and uh, how I feel about it. 
um, still in disbelief. You know, I, I think we all feel like we're in a bad nightmare that we can't wake up from. That's kind of how, you know, me and some of, some of my, my friends that I also know, I try to describe it. But uh, Cole was great, man. He was one of those guys that, um, you know, was without working. Like, I think you saw the story that Jay Will put on <clears throat> on ESPN the other day about our rookie year. We were both rookies at the same time when he was in Chicago. And he went to, the, you know, was having a tough time in Chicago his rookie year. We're playing the Lakers, came to the game early, 2 o'clock. Game was at 8. Goes out there at 2 o'clock to get some shots up. And Kobe's out there working out before the game. Stays out there for about an hour, unlaces his kicks, and Kobe's still out there working out. And then, you know, drops like 37 or 40 points on the baby bulls or whatever. And Jay is like, man, I got to find this guy. I got to talk to this guy and find out, you know, what's going on. So we, he seeks him out in the hallway and in the, in the, in the, in the tunnel in the back. And he's like, Kobe, why was you out there working out for like an hour and a half, two hours or whatever before the game? And you're going to drop, you know, 40 on us. He goes, because I wanted you to know, no matter how hard you worked, it wasn't going to outwork me. And that's so profound because Jay is a rookie, you know, trying to find his way in the league. And Kobe's Kobe, <laughs> you know, one of the best players to ever touch a basketball. But that was just that just gives you a that story just tells you about Cole's mentality. You know, no one was going to outwork him. I mean, you think about where he started at at 17, coming out of high school, to you know playing his first playoff series against the Utah Jazz and struggling. You know, airballing four times, costing the Lakers that series. To fast forward 20 years, you know, 20 year career where he's a five time champion, 17, 18 time All Star, two time gold medal Olympias, and MVP, and the list goes on. Scoring champ. Everything he accomplished on the court was because he put the work into it. And then you see him retire where he's about to have his, like, you know, next chapter on life. And he's, he's, he's thriving. He wins, a, he wins a, a, I think, an Oscar. You know, obviously, he's in the, he puts all of his time into his family and his kids. Because, you know, when you, when you dedicate yourself so much to your craft, sometimes you sacrifice quality time with your loved ones. You know, you got practices, you got games, you got training, you got – you know, there was times Kobe would have a bad shoot. I remember a story that Pat Riley told me. He had a bad uh, a bad shoot night in Miami, and they lost. Well, all the rest of his teammates went out to South Beach, had a good time. Kobe asked Pat if he can cut the lights back on in the arena so he could get, get a workout. And he was there for two more hours after he played like 42 minutes that night. That's the kind of work ethic that Kobe Bryant had, and that's the kind of work ethic he had in his family once he retired. He spent all of his time with his kids. I saw a video the other day where it was showing it was showing Gigi and her moves, and you can't tell me that it didn't resemble Kobe's moves, his free throw routine, his fadeaway jump shot, you know, his three point shot, all that stuff. It just it looked just like Kobe, and that just tells you that Kobe clearly spent the time with Gigi to give to pass on the stuff that he learned to her. And then you also see who else he touched. Like I, I saw uh, a couple of days ago, Neymar scored a goal. And he's over in like Paris, France, or wherever he is, and he puts up a two four with praying hands. A whole different sport, a whole different side of the world, and that's that's who Kobe touched. So it just speaks volumes on who you know who he was as a person and how many lives that he touched while he was here. A lot of athletes seem to struggle after their playing days are over because of the competitive nature and how much time they put into the game and. For Kobe, I always I always worried about him because I wasn't sure how he would handle life after hoops because, like you said, he was such an incredibly intense competitor that, you know, guys like yourself, guys like Jay, Jalen Rose, like they've all found their way. And Kobe found his with 
the Mamba Academy, with Deer Basketball, with with detail on ESPN, with and especially, especially the relationship he had with his daughters and uh, you know the traveling basketball team. So as the NBA fraternity, when it becomes to when 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 it's time to hang up the jersey and become a family man, what did you see from Kobe that you tried to apply in your life when it was time to hang it up and and be more of a family man? Yeah, I mean that's I mean I've always been a family man from day one, but I think for Kobe, I think that's the thing that we all we all marvel at because, you know, you would see him a lot of times at the games. He'd go to WNBA games trying to inspire his kids. He'd go to, you know, some of the Laker games. He went, I even seen him at a couple of UConn games. I heard that Gigi really wanted to be a UConn Husky when she got older. Um, you, you could just tell. You know, I saw him. I saw a couple of videos of him at Disneyland with his family. He put the time in. You know, I think he realized the time that he missed by being one of the GOATs and sacrificing time with his family so all of us could watch, could marvel at his, his talent, his, his work ethic, and how great he was as a player. He gave so much to us as his peers, his brothers, his fans, um, and his family sacrificed. And so now that he had retired, he gave all of it back to them, which I think is amazing. Clearly all of, the, all of his ventures, all of his interests, aside from basketball, you know, his Mamba Academy, giving back to those that want to continue to achieve greater things and look past the limits that we sometimes put on ourselves, that was this whole thing, right? No matter how how other people see you, it doesn't matter. It only matters how you see yourself. You know, so the sky really is a limit. Like, you know, don't take anything for granted. If you really want something, then work your butt off for it, and you can achieve greater things than you ever thought that you could imagine because that's how he viewed it. He viewed it like he achieved greater things than he thought he could because he put the work into it. He never – Cole was one of those guys that never cut corners. He never – he wasn't one of those guys that you start running sprints and he didn't touch a line. Like he was a guy that did extra, and that's what he was doing in his after in, in his in his life now with his family. He was putting the extra time in with his family, you know, extra time in with his kids, extra time in with his wife. And uh, I feel like his life was really just just starting to begin because he, he sacrificed so much of that, you know, enjoying good restaurants, enjoying great vacations, enjoying, you know, watching his kids take the first steps and saying their first words. Because he was giving all of his time to us by being in the gym, by training, by, you know, showing us his great skill. So, you know, it's sad, man. It's hard to put all this stuff into words, man. But, you know, we try to do the best we can to honor him. Booze, man. I love you. I've loved you like a brother. I know it's a hard week for all of us, man. And uh, I'm glad you got to give us a couple of moments to share some stories on the legendary Kobe Bryant, man. Thank you for joining us, bro. Kev, anything for you, bro. Stay up. I'll see you up in New York, bro. And joining us today on Big Apple Buckets is a friend of the program, uh, New York Sports Writer of the Year, my man Mike Baccaro, who is um, out in L.A. right now, all over um, the Kobe's news and story. And uh, Mike, uh, I would just please, being in Los Angeles right now, what is the, the, the moment like right now? What is the atmosphere like in Los Angeles, California? Yeah, it's very somber. You know, I mean, I think it's for the best they didn't play the game tonight because I don't think anybody was was uh, anywhere close to being in the mood to watching a basketball game, no matter how powerful it would have been, no matter how appropriate I guess it would have been with two Los Angeles teams playing. Um, you know, you just uh, just just you just drive around town. I mean, the you know the uh, the lights at LAX, the floodlights are purple and gold. Uh, you know, people just, you know two days later still keep coming to the Staples Center. Uh, to offer up their tribute to 
to uh, to Kobe. Um, you know, it's 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 like walking into the the, uh, the largest funeral home in the world in some ways. You know, because everybody's kind of walking around in the days. That's how much of a of an impact he had. The you know the Lakers mean that much to Los Angeles, and Kobe meant that much to the Lakers. So you can you know exponentially understand what that was like. I know my flight out to Los Angeles yesterday, I was with a bunch of natives who were all talking about it. And it was kind of like a, almost a group therapy session. These guys all talking about, you know, what, what the Lakers meant to them, what Kobe meant to them and, you know, how difficult it was going to be for them to return home, you know, to a city that was, you know, really in mourning, you know, kind of like a, a head of state dying in a small in a small country, and that's really what it's been like. Now, Mike, you've you've co- you've covered Kobe for for several years, and uh, it's no secret he's had he's had uh, off and on relationships with the media. You know, uh, just as as far as how he used it, and anybody who knew Kobe knew he wasn't one of those guys that kind of pretended he didn't read everything. He 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 knew everything. He knew who wrote what. And he made sure you knew it. Um, do you have any personal stories you'd love to share about uh, covering Kobe over the years? Well, I just know that he was a guy, you know, like like most good interviews, um, if you if you had a good question, he almost always had a good answer. And if you had a terrible question, uh, he had a terrible answer. Um, so he made you, he challenged you, you know, in the way that a lot of the smarter, uh, you know, more confident athletes in any sport will do, you know, I mean, they, they, their, their time is precious and they don't want it wasted with silly questions and silly inquiries, you know? Um, but he also understood that we had a job to do. And, uh, it was, uh, it was always, it was always a, a fun give and take around his locker or around a post game podium, uh, when he was talking about, uh, what he'd done, what his team had done, uh, just talking about basketball. Um, you knew you were talking to a guy with an extraordinarily high basketball IQ, really an extraordinarily high IQ anyway. But just, I mean, if you want to talk about basketball, um, you know, the, the word genius gets thrown around. And, and, you know, I know it gets sometimes thrown around inappropriately. But when you talk to him about basketball, um, you just knew that he understood the game at a higher plane than most people. And that was really you know, fun to be a part of that world for the five minutes or the 10 minutes that your interview would last. You know, uh, even in a group setting. I mean, he was a guy who would uh, allow you to understand the game in a way that a lot of other guys who play the game just weren't able to, you know, to, to, to get it across. And uh, I always appreciated that. I mean, you know, in, in, in his own way, LeBron is like that. You know, uh, back in the day, Magic and, and, and Larry Bird were like that. Um, Patrick Ewing was like that. I used to love, you know, being in Patrick Ewing's locker, especially after a win when he was in a good mood and just hearing a guy who knew basketball as thoroughly as he did talk about the game. And that's really what Kobe did. And, you know, the shame of it is that in New York, we got him twice a year, you know, once for the Knicks, once for the Nets. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's the real shame because I think that in a lot of ways he was perfectly attuned, as perfectly attuned as he is to L.A. and was to L.A. He would have been a, a wonderful gift for us in New York also, not just the writers, but also those of us who love basketball. Yeah, I mean, um, the the one thing about um, this that's really been striking lately is just me personally. I always figured that he was somebody who I didn't know how he would struggle, how he would handle life after basketball because he was just so in- intensely competitive, you know. And um, you kind of see 
in the past couple of months, how much he's become an incredible father and how much he loved his daughters, especially Gianna, um, the little Mambasita, and how much he gave back to the game with the Mamba Academy and kind of being like a big brother to a lot of today's NBA stars, guys like Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving, Paul George, um, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, all of the all of the, the LeBron James, obviously. Um, it's been it's been really incredible just to kind of see the kind of effect he had on a lot of these players. Um, what are some of your thoughts on Kobe the mentor and Kobe the the you know the elder statesman of the NBA and not just this uh, supremely talented competitive All Star player? Yeah, and you're right about that. The fact that you know there's so many athletes who play the game at the kind of level that Kobe played basketball, they find a hard, they find it hard to find a, an appropriate second act. You know, uh, some find, some go into coaching, some go into broadcasting. I find that a lot of people do that just because it seems like the natural thing for them to do. And it's not necessarily, you know, fulfilling as, or as fulfilling as the game was. Um, but for Kobe, I think it's interesting, you know, you, you, you look at the different things he did. I mean, he didn't become a broadcaster. He didn't, you know, become a, a coach, at least not one, you know, in, in, in the college ranks, the professional ranks. I mean, you know, what, what, what he learned was being able to bring uh, a game he loved and a sport that he knew as well as anybody uh, to a whole different audience. And, you know, I think that uh, I, when, when, when he broke into the NBA, he wasn't immediately welcomed by a lot of the higher profile guys. Um, Ultimately, of course, they all grew to respect him, and many of them grew to revere him. But at, at, you know, as a, as a 19-year-old kid, he had to earn that, and I think he always really he always remembered what it was to want to gain the approval of established players, and how much it meant to them, how much it meant to him once they did give them that. And I think that that's something that he uh, found right to the end was a satisfying thing was being able to to be the kind of guy that would, you know other people sought his approval, you know, there's no bigger star in the world right now than, than, than LeBron, obviously. And it's just obvious that when Kobe talked to him, when he passed him on the all time scoring list, how much that meant to him. Um, there are certain iconic players who have that power just because of who they are and what they've accomplished. And I think that Kobe identified himself as being a guy who could do that. Um, and it wasn't always high profile. It wasn't like, you know, you always knew everything he did, but you can just tell by the impact after this news hit on Sunday, just how hard it hit, how close it hit to so many of these players, uh, just how much uh, having relationships with him meant, and even if it was only a peripheral relationship, uh, because they all grew up wanting to be like him, wanting to be him, and uh, you know, I, I, I would hope that they would that they, they would take the best of Kobe with them into their own personal journeys, because obviously Kobe was a guy uh, whose post career mission was to try and you know, keep an impact on the game without, you know, intruding on the game. And I think that's, you know, kind of what you want from any former player is somebody being able to, to be someone who, who represents the game as an ambassador of the game in all the various ways that that's possible that aren't always high profile. Vac, one more before we let you go, man, and appreciate the time out in L.A. You're going to be there Friday. It's going to be emotional. Obviously, Lakers, Blazers, as Carmelo Anthony comes to town, who's a good friend of Kobe. I'm sure his emotions 
are going to be running high. And the Staples Center, I mean, I just can't imagine what's going to go on there. But moving forward and looking as an as an NBA and the Lakers, one, how do you see that atmosphere Friday? How do you see that planning out? How will they honor him? And two, do you subscribe to the theory of changing the NBA logo to Kobe to maybe naming an award after him? How do you think the NBA honors him moving forward historically? I could definitely see them naming an award after him. Um, the logo would be a nice gesture, um, although you know the person who currently is the model for the logo is still very much alive and is actually very much a, a part of the Kobe Bryant story, so I think that they would have to try and figure out a delicate way to do that. Um, I have no doubt that Friday night will be not only an emotional night, but it will be done well because the Lakers uh, historically – do these things well not necessarily you know something as tragic as this but they understand and embrace not only the big moments as they happen but also how to commemorate them and uh, to me there's no question that uh, that they will do the right thing it's going to be an extraordinary night because just the the outpouring of grief that we've that i've seen just in the brief time i've been in los angeles just walking around uh, is going to be contained to a 20,000 seat arena um, and I just can, can only imagine. I mean, I was 12 years old when 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 Trevor Munson died. And I remember what what Yankee Stadium was like uh, the night, or the, you know, the first night the Yankees played uh, after after the news ha- hit that uh, that he was dead. And for those who were there, it was you know an unforgettable moment. Not only an unforgettable noise when they cheered, but also an unforgettable silence when they commemorated. And I suspect it'll be very similar to that at Staples Center on Friday. Mike Vaccaro, uh, thank you for joining us on this special episode of Big Apple Buckets. Um, try and do the, I know you're going to do the best you can to cover everything going on in Los Angeles. And I uh, really appreciate you being here today, man. I hope we can do it next time under much happier circumstances, guys. Thanks for having me on. Joining us today on uh, Big Apple Buckets is a man who had a working relationship with Kobe Bryant, a uh, former NJ State Trooper, turned into an NBA referee from 1987 to 2011. He also wrote a book about his undercover experience called Covert My Years, Infiltrating the Mob. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that share stories with with Kobe about his life, his his, his legend. But uh, somebody who had a working relationship with him, uh, referee Bob Delaney is on the show with us. I, I would just love to hear your thoughts on, on where you were when you uh, heard the unfortunate news and um, uh, about Kobe's passing on Sunday and just share some thoughts with us. Yeah, I, I was pulling into my uh, driveway. I had just come back. I had a speaking engagement in Houston for uh, Major League Soccer. Came back into um, my uh, home and my daughter texted me. And I think like all of us, when we hear tragedy, we, we don't want to believe it. We, we think that uh, maybe, especially in our society today, we think it's fake news. And um, we just want to believe that that's the case. And then as the reports continue to come in, it's just a shock. And then glued to the TV set to get every piece of information that you can get. And then texting with Charles Barkley, and, and, and I'm not name dropping, it's just gay guys that, you know, you reach out to the people that you know that you went through these things with. And um, Rod Thorne and Mike Bantham, and guys that I worked with in the NBA office. and. Um, you know, that's that world that we're part of and you just have so many memories, but it, it was such a shock and such a, um, it, 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 it's at so many layers. It's not only this iconic basketball player, iconic, uh, artist that we've lost the layer of a dad with his daughter, a, a layer of a, of a wife and a mom at home with other children, uh, other family members in that helicopter. 
Uh, there's so many relatable things to all of us. We've, we've all been in situations where we've either been in that car with other parents as kids or we, we picked up kids going to games. And he happens to do it in a helicopter because of the success levels that he's had. But it's all the same. And so we relate to that. And, and, and the pain of it uh, and understanding what that loss is forever for, for these families. Uh, is it, just so overwhelming. I mean, it, it, it just kind of feels like uh, every couple of minutes, like every five or 10 minutes, I, I know just personally, I just feel like there's just another wave of grief because you're right. He was more than just a, a basketball player, more than just an, an, an artist and a, a global icon, man. Like as, 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 a, as a parent or as somebody losing a parent or have lost a parent in their life, like there's just so many levels of grief and the habit happened so suddenly to somebody that I think a lot of us just kind of believe would live forever. And we just always saw him as one of these youthful, exuberant, you know, jubilant stars to, you know, uh, just becoming a, a complete man and, and, and a father and a great father at that, just, you know, becoming like the ultimate sports dad. It's just, it's so heartbreaking, Bob. Yeah, I agree. Cause I agree. I, I... Yeah, let me just share a couple. You know, I I I, I got in the league in '87, and, and Kobe obviously comes in '96, and had the honor to uh, referee his games. And um, I and, and then when I moved into the position as the vice president of referee operations, director of officials, interacted with the players and uh, teams in a different manner, and um, got to know and interact with them a little bit differently than I did as an official. But I just want to share one story to give an insight as to. Uh, the kind of guy he was. And, and, you know, we all know the intensity, the uh, drive that he had, but the, a tremendous sense of humor as well. And um, I, I had a game on a Sunday afternoon and they were wearing their uh, Laker white uniform. And um, the first call of the game was, one of the first calls of the game was a foul on Kobe. And, and I forget what player was shooting, I even forget what team was playing. But as I went to give the signal, and then I'm standing in, standing in what is the trail position outside when the free throws are being taken, Kobe starts walking to me with that scowl on his face. And um, he's kind of like coming at me, and he's giving me dagger eyes. And I'm, I'm preparing for this argument that's about to come or this confrontation that he's going to uh, say to me, you know, I didn't like that call. And then he just comes and stands next to me and says this in my ear. What was it like wearing a wire with the mob guys? That had to be wild. I mean, he went completely and turned the tables, and I started to laugh because I was preparing for one thing, and he came at another. And he just gave me that uh, smile that he has, that smirk, and, uh, you know, looking at me. And, and, and he knew what he was doing at all times. And uh, he turned the tables on me and made it a kind of a joke uh, of what was taking place versus the uh, kind of interaction that a referee may have with a player that wasn't happy with the call. In 1998, I worked the uh, All-Star game in Madison Square Garden. Michael Jordan was the MVP. And then I worked the All-Star game in 2011 in Staples, and Kobe was the MVP. And these are two players that were the most intense, amazing athletes that I ever had the honor to be around. You know, it's, it's, I know it's been a hard uh, couple of days for a lot of us, but just kind of hearing those stories and, uh, you know, you hear about the, the intense competitiveness about Kobe and, you know, and how, and how like he, 
he was such an intense competitor. It was almost unfathomable how he would cope with life after basketball. And I think the most heartbreaking part about it is he seemed to be doing just fine without it. Like he had found this new love for becoming a father and, and raising his daughters and teaching them the love of the game. And it, it is something that makes this doubly traumatic and, 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 and tragic because, you know, you, you kind of wondered how he would deal with life without basketball because he was so intensely competitive. And you've seen he, he gone on to become an Oscar winner and become a uh, an incredible sports dad. And, you know, Bob, I would just love to get your thoughts just on, um, you know, just his life after hoops and you being a father and, and raising children and, you know, just how how difficult it, it must be just to just to have to experience that and just just as a just from father to father just how how does that translate right now yeah two layers i i um i think that uh, everyone is uh, holding their kids a little tighter no matter how old they are they're your kids and um i think that i've heard that over and over i heard from some young younger folks everybody's younger to me uh younger folks you know in their 40s saying i grew up with him even though he didn't know me so that was like their friends. They grew up with Kobe and to watch him mature. And I think he leads us in so many ways well beyond basketball, and that's the relatability. Think about what you just said. I have a, a saying that I learned from Bob Moad, a, a friend of mine that said, if you are what you do, then when you don't, you aren't. Kobe wasn't just a basketball player. He didn't see himself as just a basketball player. He knew that he was going to go on to do other things. And think about how he led. And D. Wade, when D. Wade was talking about retiring, his biggest concern was what that void was going to be of not having basketball. So Kobe kind of led the path to say, these are things we have to think about, all of us. Uh, if we're only identified by our titles, then we're limiting ourselves. There was no limitation with Kobe. <laughs> he, he, he saw every opportunity and, 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 and went after it. And, and for that, I think the admiration is so strong because we all would like to be that way. And um, it's just a, a powerful thing. You know, the power of sports is not about the points or the scoreboard, uh, you know, in, in wins and losses. is the games and the environments around sports is a place where we come together and create memories. And I think each family kind of remembers getting together. I've had folks say to me, I, I would sit with my dad and watch Kobe play, or I'd uh, watch the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. I think there was an attraction that brought us to that, but we did it as family and we did it with friends and we feel that kind of loss. And, and that hurts deeply. It, it definitely hurts deeply. And uh, it, it's going to hurt for a long time, but uh, hearing stories like this and talking about it and just, you know, being able to communicate with everyone and just kind of come together. And I guess in, in, in true Kobe fashion, one last time, he's kind of brought us all together. Um, and it's a really sad day. Bob, it was great talking to you. Yeah, Kaz, I appreciate it. If I could just say one closing thing, he will lead us. He will lead us even though he's gone. He will lead us in his spirit. There's a saying, I, I do a lot of work with uh, trauma and grieving. Uh, I've been doing it for four decades with the military, law enforcement, firefighters. And there's a saying that there are two deaths. The day you physically die 
and the d- day that your name is last spoken on this earth, Kobe's name will be spoken forever. So he's not going to die. He's not dying in our minds. He's not dying in our spirits. He's going to live on in our spirits. And I think we should all embrace that. Amen, dude. Amen. Well said, Bob. Well said. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming to Big Apple Buckets, man. Uh, and I uh, really appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. God bless. Stay safe. And that's a wrap for this episode of Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Thank you to our producer, Jake Brown, for making this happen each and every week. Just want to close off by giving our, our love and prayers and thoughts to Vanessa Bryant, the wife of Kobe, his three wonderful remaining surviving daughters. Just my heart goes out to her. Just everybody, just be good to one another, man. Just just, just be good to one another. Just be kind. Just, just do right by people. I'll leave you with that note, man. See you next week.